Curiosity is not a sin, Harry, but you should exercise caution. He's a time strand. You're fraternizing with the enemy. There's the, um, the Cruciatus curse. We'll celebrate a boy who was kind and honest and brave and true right to the very end. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We're doing chapter 35, Veritas Serum. We have Molly back again with us. Hello! And uh, this is a loaded chapter, everybody. This, <laughs> there's a lot here, and we are very excited to kind of dig into it. Um, but before we do, I wanted to shout out uh, some of the geography of our podcast a little bit. We've shouted out some individuals before. I want to shout out some locations that have given us some love and some listens. Uh, We'll start locally in the United States here, but uh, California is our second leading. We're from Illinois, so obviously Illinois is where we're based. Uh, We have a lot of listens coming from Illinois, but it's only 12% of our total U.S. listens. Oh, wow. So we've been heard all across the country, and California is right there with 11%. Very cool. Of our United States listens. So a uh, lot of love from those in California, specifically the Sacramento and Los Angeles regions. Um, we are very thankful for you guys. And North Carolina uh, and Texas uh, both have 6% listens from those two states. So, uh, you know, we're really thankful for those. And we've been heard in all 50 states now, which is really cool. That's to awesome. kind of, uh, I think Hawaii was the last holdout. Um, but we've been heard in Hawaii. Nice. Uh, I think quite a bit actually now. <laughs> now that they've discovered us, yeah, they're they're up there. So, um, thank you to everybody from across the United States uh, for listening to us. It's crazy to think about our voices being heard in different states. Some yeah. of which we've been to, some of which we've not. Thank you guys. It's a really really cool thing. Uh, and now the international listens, which I love because I'm an international <laughs> traveler. Um, so. Uh, Belgium. Shout out to Belgium. They are our second leading country, uh, packing in the listens, and specifically uh, Brussels, the capital, is a lot of those listens. Uh, The area of Flanders is 54% of our Belgium listens come from Flanders. Cool. So that's really cool. Um, Shout out to the United Kingdom, which, you know, Harry Potter is kind of involved with the United Kingdom just a little bit, you know, and the fact that it's completely located there. Anyway, uh, so we have uh, England with 69% of the listens in the United Kingdom area, Scotland with 19%, Wales with 12%, and Northern Ireland with about 1%. But um, so all parts of the United Kingdom have tuned in. And uh, again, once again, I love Scotland personally. I love london too and liverpool i like to travel guys um but uh, i love visiting all of those areas we have some other awesome listens from mexico uh which mexico city is the biggest bulk of those listens uh baja california quintana root if you're familiar with the (laughs) tourist destination in mexico the cancun area yeah guys we've been heard all over the world. I think over 119 countries have tuned into this podcast. That's awesome. Everywhere from Hong Kong to Romania. I'm scrolling through the list here. Japan, Singapore, Israel, Jordan, Chile, and Uruguay, and Portugal. And uh, the last couple that tuned in were really awesome. 
They were Uzbekistan, Fiji, Botswana, Ethiopia, St. Kitts and Nevis in the Caribbean, cool. Mauritius, Djibouti, yeah. Nicaragua, Kosovo, Jamaica, uh, all over the world. Uh, every every continent uh, has tuned in, and uh, except for Antarctica. We'll get you soon. Um, <laughs> but, uh, guys, we really appreciate it. It's so cool to think that we're heard all over the world. Um, we hope you're liking what you're listening to. Uh, let us know. Please comment on Spotify, Twitter, Instagram. Let us know where you're from. I would love to know that. I'm a big geek about this, so uh, let us know. I think one of our there's a poll on Spotify actually that is where are you guys from. Okay, Molly. After all that's done, are you ready to get into this chapter? I think so. We have a really quick a rundown. We have the return uh, to the maze yeah. from the graveyard. We have Moody taking Harry from the scene. Is he Moody? Is he? Ooh. Is he Alistair Moody? Well, we find out in this chapter. Mm. Uh, we get Moody taking him back to his office. And then we have uh, just a whole bunch of dialogue between him and Harry. And then we get interrupted. And we have a whole, shockingly, the chapter title, The Veritaserum of it all. Yep. Uh, and we learn some truths about uh, Alistair Moody slash not so Alistair Moody. Yeah. So we'll get into that conversation here uh, soon. But starting with returning to the maze, just the mass chaos of it all. Yeah. Because I imagine the teachers, Fudge, Dumbledore, are like, where'd they go? Yeah. They just disappeared off, off the map. And you don't know how long this all took. Did it take a couple of minutes? Did this take, like, hours? Right. Like, how long did this whole thing go for? Uh, they could have been like, uh, guys, the, the two Hogwarts champions are gone. Right. This is a problem, and we have no idea where they went. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, Fudge and Albus just being like, did you turn this into a port key and not tell me? Yeah. No. Did, did you turn it into a port key and not tell me? Like, what the heck? What's happening? What is happening right now? And I'm missing people. You know, the last the last chapter we talked about Boldy not liking, not knowing things. Yeah. Albus, I'm sure, is very similar in that, like, he does not enjoy not being clued in. Yeah. Uh, that's got to be an alarming feeling for him. Yeah. Um, but luckily he, he gets caught up pretty quick. He's very calming in this sense because Harry's obviously been through. Somehow traumatic doesn't make it seem enough. Yeah, no. Watching a friend die yeah. is the possibly the least traumatic thing that happens to him here. Mm -hmm. His arch nemesis uses his own blood to come back from seemingly the dead. Yeah. Then you have this reawakening of Death Eaters. And then you see your mom and dad and your dead friend come back. He's been through some stuff yes, in this night. Yes, he has. So... Yeah, uh, Dumbledore, I feel like, is very calming yeah. in the sense of, like, look, let let him go. Yeah. Because he brings Cedric's body back, which was one of Cedric's final requests of, like, Harry, can you please do that? Okay, so he brings bag, and he's, like, clutching on for dear life. Yeah. Harry, nothing more can be done. Can't help L him now. Let him go. Stay here. Yeah. Stay here, but let him go. And then Dumbledore tries to figure out stuff, and Moody just takes him under his wing and is like, you need to get out of here. Like, let's get you out of this this mess. Yeah. Takes him up to his office. And, boy, some stuff 
is figured out in this office. Yeah. Uh, Moody continuously questions him, like, what happened? Tell me everything. Tell me every detail. The Dark Lord was there. He's returned. The Dark Lord. The Dark Lord. That's a good catch, Molly. The Dark Lord. That's a great catch. Oh, you dueled the Dark Lord. Yep. Great catch, because we notice that those who say the Dark Lord uh, tend to have a certain type of history. (laughs) You get the boss level, like uh, Dumbledore, who's just like, no, he's Lord Voldemort. No, he's Tom Riddle. Right. Like, boss level. Right. And then you get the he who must not be named bunch, which is, to be fair, a large bunch. Yeah. The vast majority. And then you get these certain people. Yeah. That use the Dark Lord. They say it a lot. Hmm. 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 Interesting. Interesting indeed, Molly. Interesting indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Harry's like, oh, I should have told Dumbledore. Voldy told me that a Death Eater is here at Hogwarts. I should have told him that. Yeah. Um, It's got to be, it's got to be Karkaroff. It's got to be Igor, right? And Moody's like, definitely not Igor. He fled. Yeah. He's gone. Not him. It's not him. Yeah. And then Moody tells him that it was he who put Harry's name into the Goblet of Fire using a different school's name, which is interesting because, guys, if you've been listening, you know our talk about schools and and (laughs) numbers of people. So that's how Moody did it. He put uh, Harry's name in the Goblet under a different school's name as the only participant from that school. Yeah. Moody then goes into this whole monologue of everything that he has done. He's scared away anyone who might in any way, hurt Harry's chances of winning. That includes turning Draco Malfoy into a ferret. Yeah. <sighs> this kid can't bully my champion. I need to, I need I, I need to take care of this. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing. He nudged Hagrid to show Harry the dragons mm-hmm. in the first task. Uh, he knew in the maze that he'd have a chance to eliminate all of the other champions. <laughs> literally clearing the way for Harry, because we noticed that Harry's way seems awfully boring. Yeah. There's not much there. It's pretty straightforward. It's, it's weird, right? But weird. he still made it through himself. Okay. okay Molly. <laughs> can I... I uh, can Molly... Uh, you can confirm that I have highlighted this next quote in our notes. I have highlighted this. Quote, I don't want to, hold on, I want to get into a position here where I can clearly read and state this. Quote, I also had to contend with your stupidity. End quote. He calls Harry bluntly here stupid. And he's like, I did not fathom just how I would have to work around how dumb you are. Uh... But... Do not underestimate how difficult that was for me. Okay, so I'm adding, I'm ad-libbing a little here. But this is the sense that I'm getting from Moody. Yes. Quote, I also had to contend with your stupidity. That is a quote people will go up and look at that in the book. <laughs> he continues on. He, he told Cedric to open the egg underwater, so Cedric did get some help. But he was a pawn because he figured that Cedric would then tell Harry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that. Then he... Gave Neville the book with Gillyweed in it. The book was in Harry's dorm the entire time. Yeah. Like, literally, from the first class lesson where he's going through the unforgivable curses. Mm-hmm. And Neville gets upset by it. That's it. 
that's that moment. Yeah. I figured you would ask anybody and everybody for help, and you did not. So you're now. This is a backhanded compliment to Harry. It is. Your your independence and your oh, what was the other word he used? Streak of pride and independence. Yeah, that was it. That might have ruined all. Yep. Uh, backhanded compliment. Yeah. He doesn't intend it to be a compliment, but no. it kind of is. And then, then he goes, he staged a conversation with Professor McGonagall so that Dobby would overhear and immediately help. Yeah. Which is clever on his part, except for the fact I have questions. I have questions about this. Here's my problem. Okay. If I come up to you and I'm like, hey, Molly, you know... Wouldn't it be convenient if Potter, like, found out? Do you think he's going to use this? I think he should use this. This thing is important. I can't believe he wouldn't use this. And then Harry happens to use that? Right. Would you not be suspicious? Oh, I'd be, you know, yeah, I'd be suspicious. Like, if I were Professor McGonagall watching the second task take place, and Harry pulls out this thing, and then it's, like, broadcasted to everybody, like... Oh, ingenious use of gillyweed. If I was McGonagall, I'd be like, I was just talking to Moody about this, mm-hmm. like, just last night. Right. What? Yeah. That seems odd. It's very sus. I'd be like, Moody, how did he get this gillyweed? You were just talking about Harry using this. Right. And now he's using this. Yep. Did you give it to him? Right. Or, or, let me present this to you. Okay. <laughs> Professor McGonagall? Doesn't care. I don't Just think doesn't he care. Cares. Yeah. Like if now if it was another student, let's say a Hufflepuff. Oh. Let's say let's. Uh, uh, I shouldn't say a Hufflepuff because there is Cedric Diggory. Yeah. Let's say a Ravenclaw. Yeah. Let's say a Ravenclaw. And a random Ravenclaw, not in McGonagall's house, uses the gillyweed that Moody was talking about. I think she might care. But because Harry is Harry Potter, and a Gryffindor, bringing glory to her house. I don't think she cares. She's sloughing that one off as like, that's a coincidence, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's a coincidence. Well, I think, you know, I think it's widely known that everybody is getting help. Mm -hmm. So she may not care for that reason. I will say, though, I don't know how shocking it would be if a Ravenclaw used gillyweed. They are supposed to be intelligent and all right. very... Let me throw this one at you. If there's a Slytherin, Slytherin using Gilead, yes. she is all over that. She's 1,000% of all I will give that. you, if it was a Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, or Hufflepuff, she probably wouldn't care as much. Yeah. Slytherin, however, she yeah. would raise all kinds of questions about she that. She would have her eyebrows up. For uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I just think she should be a yeah. little bit suspect about that. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah. Anyway. Um, going back to Harry's stupidity... So the next quote he has <laughs> is, uh, Dumbledore took your idiocy for nobility. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet that's Moody calling him dumb twice in the mm-hmm. span of like literally a five minute conversation. This one, however, I will give you the leeway of, this is a point of view. Yeah. Uh, this is a point of view matter. It's not necessarily fact. It's his opinion Mm -hmm. that Harry was an idiot. Although it was also Ron's opinion at the time, too, of, dude, you're an idiot. You tried to be the hero again, didn't you? Right. Also, that was Harry's opinion of himself at the time, too, (laughs) of, ah, I'm an idiot. Yeah. 
So I guess it's the majority pop, the, the majority thought of, dude, you you were dumb. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, he continues on with his strategy. He stunned Floor in the maze. He put the Imperious Curse on Victor Crumb to attack Cedric. Mm-hmm. And literally, in this little monologue, and we're not even remotely done with it, in this monologue, he literally lays out how he held Harry's hand through this entire thing, whether directly or indirectly, but cleared the way for Harry to succeed here. Yeah. To get to his ultimate goal, which is the return of his Dark Lord. Mm-hmm. And we get into some, uh, I think I accurately put, daddy issues. Oh, 1,000%. There's some daddy issues at play here. Yeah. So uh, at some point, he states, he literally says the words, he might be, quote, closer than a son. Yeah. End quote. To Voldy. Yeah. Molly, we're in a, this character needs therapy moment again. I I would agree. I think... He needs a healthy dose of therapy. This character probably needed therapy about 15, 20 years ago at least. Yeah, probably. uh, As a child, because he does not like his father. No. Who is his father, Molly? Oh, man. His father is is Barty Crouch Sr. Yeah, we end up learning that (laughs) Moody's not Moody. Uh, This is... Barty Crouch Jr. He starts breaking down a little bit because he starts asking, like, did he forgive them? Quote, the faithless, worthless bits of filth that came back. Did he forgive them? Mm -hmm. Uh, He tells Harry that he uh, made the dark mark at the World Cup, and he was disgusted by those behind masks doing, you know, silly muggle torture while he was doing the real work. But that was totally on um, Lucius's you know, vision board. Oh, 100%. You know, yeah. <laughs> that would be such a morbid vision board. <laughs> that would be... Okay, so he's, he's getting... He, we're starting to get into the bits of who this really is yeah. that's interrogating Harry here. And Harry is just like, like, dude, I'm injured. I've just been through a whole heck of a night. And this night is only getting weirder with every word <laughs> you speak. Like, what is going on? Yeah. And then... Um, you'll also like this note that I made, Molly. Albus returns. Yes. And he is not calm. No. He is specifically very much not calm. No. And I also put down his presence is awesome. Um, and I don't mean like good. And I don't mean like cool. I mean like the true most rudimentary definition of the word awesome. Like just this presence yeah of this is albus dumbledore like this is the wizard that people revere and respect and fear like this is him yes because he pulls no punches immediately stuns moody slash crouch Mm -hmm. and sets to work he he uh lets harry know that well Moody would never have taken Harry away from me at that point. Right. With such questionable things in the air and who knows and death and whatever, Moody would know that the safest place for Harry is in my care, like by my side. Right. So he would have never done that. And then he immediately tells Snape and McGonagall to fetch a house elf 
and a random dog in a yard. And Harry notes, like, this would be odd. Uh, I don't know that I would have blindly just gone and fetched a house elf. Right. Or a, a large black dog in a, in a garden. Uh, but Snape and McGonagall just, without, without question, are like, got it. Yep, we're on it. Um, so kudos to them. Yeah. For doing that. <laughs> Albus essentially, like, frisks the stunned Moody <laughs> for some keys and finds the flask. Oh, which he notes, and he notes it as ingenious, mm-hmm. the idea of using Polyjuice Potion in the flask. And this is a compliment to Barty Crouch, because just as we were saying in the last chapter, like Voldemort complimented James Potter, and that doesn't happen very often. No. Albus noting, like, oh, this is pretty smart. Yeah. This was really smart. Yeah. And it was so simple, and that's why it's so smart. Yep. When Albus says some somebody or something is really smart, that's a hell of a compliment. You take note. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a heck of a compliment. So, but then he ends up trying all of the keys <laughs> on this chest in the corner, and it eventually opens up to find uh, the real Mad Eye Moody uh, down a ten foot underground uh, shaft, essentially. Yeah. Uh, malnourished patches of his hair is gone which he's using for the polyjuice potion poor guy yeah uh, not a great existence no uh, so when Snape and McGonagall return McGonagall brought the dog to his office yeah I believe and told him just to wait there he'll be there shortly Snape brought not only the house elf Winky but Veritaserum mm-hmm. and this opens up a very interesting conversation. You had the story of his escape from Azkaban. Yep. With the parent switch. You have Barty Crouch Sr. using, quote, a number of spells to subdue Barty Crouch Jr. You have Bertha figured everything out. (laughs) Oh, Bertha. And Barty Crouch Sr. had to place a very strong memory charm on her. Barty Crouch Jr., actually sitting in the empty seat at the World Cup. He's like this fountain of information. Yeah. Like Dumbledore, and kudos to Dumbledore for asking like the right questions because if I was in this situation, I'd be like, I have a million questions to ask. (laughs) I'm not sure which one to ask next. Yeah. But he's so like straightforward and pointed and being like, okay, let's flesh the story out more. It's great. Let's pause for a second on the Bowdy Crouch Jr. sitting in the empty seat at the Quidditch World Cup. Yeah. He was sitting next to Harry Potter the entire, like, The entire event. time. And he was imperious at the time. And Winky was in charge of keeping him in check. So much so that Barty Crouch Jr. notes that Winky used some of her own magic to bound Barty Crouch Jr. to her. Yeah. That's an interesting bit of magic. That is. And the fact that it's, like, so strong. Yeah. And so, like, overpowering of just mm-hmm. wizard magic. Mm-hmm. It, it's, a, it's an insight, and we've gotten some glimpses of Dobby's magic before, too, and it's just like, seems like people should note this more instead of just, like, get me some biscuits from the cabinet or, like, whatever. Can you wash my clothes today? Right. <laughs> Underutilized a little bit. Um, but anyway. 
We get the details of Crouch Jr. and Wormtail subduing Moody. I just have to go back real quick. Sure. Thinking about, you know, Barty Crouch Jr. at the World Cup. Mm -hmm. Like, do you think he wanted, like, all the gadgets that they had there? Like, do you think he was really sad he didn't get, like, the... The uh, omnioculars? Yeah, the omnioculars. And, like, maybe he really wanted a little crumb guy circling around. See, I think that was a missed opportunity because right? they say that, or he says, that he was slowly breaking the the memory to the Imperious Curse and everything. Yeah. And Winky was not noticing it mm -hmm. for the longest time. And not noticing it here because she had her eyes closed because she was afraid of heights. Right. But I think if you had indulged him yeah. in some of those and just placated his mind with something idle, yeah. it might have still stuck. Ooh. I think if you put a little crumb in his hand under an invisibility cloak <laughs> and just like watch the thing like walk around his hand, he might have just been like, oh, you know, like this dazed look still. Right. And not instead of watching the World Cup and remembering like, oh, I love this. This is who I am. I'm not that. I'm this. Right. And then slowly breaking out of it. Ooh, yeah. Distract him. Keep him distracted instead exactly. of, you know. Igniting anyway. the fire deep within. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We get the Crouch Jr. and Wormtail subduing Moody, which is noteworthy in that Wormtail was able to assist Crouch Jr. in subduing a talented or. Yeah. We get the fact that Voldy had communicated with Barty Crouch Jr., we had kind of talked about, like, does Barty Crouch send him updates? Mm -hmm. uh, specifically, you know what would have been real <laughs> helpful in the last chapter? Barty Crouch Jr. going like, you know, I had Harry in class today, and he demonstrated real interesting ability. He was able to throw off my Imperius curse. Yeah. I think Voldy might have been like, oh, that's a noteworthy thing. So right. it wouldn't have maybe shocked him so much. True. Clearly he didn't get that memo. Or Voldy is so overconfident in his abilities, he would have never imagined that could ever happen. That's true. And that and that's a valid point because yeah. it's not just any old Imperius curse. No. I that's a great point that you made yeah. because Voldy would still think, You're a talented wizard, but right. you're not me. Right. He threw off your Imperius curse. He didn't throw off mine. Mine, right. And the other thing I got to wonder, too, because I was thinking back after doing the deep dive into the Imperius Curse and that whole scene, I almost wonder, too, if he, if Barty Crouch Jr., in a way, was using that to practice his own magic because he had been without it for so long. It's a heck of a way to practice magic. Right? On you're just diving right up in. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. Four tier, you know. See if I could still do this. Right? Yep. <laughs> yep. So That's a good point. Yeah. Um, the darker side of it. <laughs> yeah. So I think clearly this communication went one way and one way only. I think yes. it only went from Voldy to Crouch. I don't think Crouch, at least, and if he was, he was leaving out some major details. Yeah. That I don't think Voldy would appreciate later yeah. on. Uh, we get Crouch talking about, quote-unquote, Potter's map mm -hmm. that showed him the whole school, which I have questions about later. Yeah. And uh, Crouch says that he killed his father, Barry Crouch Sr., Bertinius, transfigured him into a bone, and buried him in Hagrid's front yard. <laughs> Dark. Um, I'm not getting any serial killer vibes <laughs> no. at all in any way. 
no. Uh, Crouch Jr. is, let's say, not sane. No. No. Okay. Uh, we're going to rule on not sane. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot there in the Veritas here. Uh, is there anything that like jumps out to you specifically from that whole? I know you mentioned the the World Cup, but. Uh, yeah, the other thing, too, is just, like, that whole, like, chain of Moody, supposedly Moody, into Barty Couch Jr. Mm-hmm. Like, that's terrifying. That yeah. whole, like, change just, ugh. I feel like that's a traumatic experience in and of itself. Yes. There was uh, a lot of trauma happening. So. I mean, you're losing and regrowing a leg. Yeah. You're losing and regrowing an eye. Yeah. That That's a lot. Yeah. I don't, and I think we've talked about on a, a previous episode is probably a Anna and I episode where we gushed about Barty Crouch Jr. But, but that that learning curve, yeah, is quick. Yeah, and I mean he had to flip this switch very quickly with minimal uh, prep time. Right, and he, they he says here that he was literally. He had the real Alistair Moody under the Imperius curse, so he could just ask him questions. Hey, what would you do in this scenario? How would you do this? How would you act in this circumstance? Like, yeah, he's got to be objectively speaking. I know I'm gushing, but he's got to be brilliant just to take in all of this information and then be able to like regurgitate it back out. Yeah, it's a quick study, and you know, I mean, Dumbledore did did call him that. He would have made a great actor. He would have been, yeah. He would have been, he would have been a stellar actor. Uh, missed opportunities. So, yeah, and I don't know. I just uh, there was a lot of like good um, Dumbledore quotes. You know, uh, the one about just like let it go. Like there's nothing else you can do here. Mm-hmm. And then just you know, Harry has to go to the hospital wing, and Dumbledore was like, no. Nah, like understanding is the first step to acceptance and only with acceptance can there be recovery. He needs to know who has put him through the ordeal he has suffered tonight and why. I have two things to say on that. That's, I, I'm so happy you brought that quote. It's a, it's a great quote. Yeah. Um, so here you have the second instance of someone actually being some semblance of a therapist to yeah. Harry. You had Lupin in book three. And now you have this specific quote from from <laughs> Albus here. And I understand it. And it's a deep quote. And I agree with it. That being said, uh, this is my cynic in me, is the only reason Harry's here is so we, as the narrators get, <laughs> like, we as the readers get this whole like, narration. Yeah, that's it, true. It's a, it's a plot device to keep Harry in the, in, in the conversation. Yeah. Which is great, but my cynical side aside, I do kind of agree with it. Right. It, it, the best way to process something is to acknowledge that it happened. Right. <laughs> and be able to process it. And the only way you can process it is by having all of the information. Right. And, and you know, facing it hot on. Yes. I'm so glad you brought up that quote. I did not have that quote written down, so thank you for that. Yeah. I like the the depth of magic here because yeah. you're, you're getting a lot of powerful wizards at play. Uh, you have Barty Crouch Sr. and Barty Crouch Jr., obviously very talented with <laughs> imperious curses on both sides. Yeah. Then you, and they're both able to like break it eventually. Mm-hmm. And I think if Barty Crouch Jr., was more grounded 
uh, not as insane and not as hate-filled. He's, he's very, very hate-filled. I think he would recognize that he does have a lot of things in common with his father. Yeah. The good and the bad. Yeah. I think a lot of his intelligence and ingenuity comes from his father. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of his domineering personality traits, yeah. a, a lot of his, uh, I don't want to call it OCD, but a lot of his need for control comes from it. Obviously, there's a lot of psychological stuff at play here because he felt like he never got the attention or the approval of his father. Or the love. Or the love. And now he's looking towards Lord Voldemort for that that role. Yeah. Which you could probably, if, if either one of us were psychiatrists or psychologists, we could do a whole series of episodes <laughs> on just the daddy issues here. Oh, my God. <laughs> there's a lot. Uh, but, yeah. but the magic at play, like I said, with... Junior and senior with the Imperius curses. And then you have senior with the memory charm on Bertha. Yeah. And literally ripping her mind apart. Which could only have been broken by Voldemort, which means his memory charm must have been really strong. Yeah. That it took Voldy almost shattering her. He did. He shattered her to break that charm. There's, and then Crouch Jr. and Wormtail subduing Moody. Moody's an accomplished, experienced or that's not a easy feat. No. Which, you know, they don't specify the roles and who did what in that scenario. But the fact that Wormtail's there, I think, continues the idea of he's more capable than people give him credit for, uh, including Vol. Everybody underestimates Wormtail, and I think that's his greatest asset. Yeah. Is everybody overlooks me, thinks I'm an idiot, thinks I'm whatever. I can do some stuff. Right. And I could be very valuable. And, and, you know, it's just another example of that. Whether you want to believe, and I know a lot out there are probably believing Crush Jr. led that <laughs> assault, and that's fine, and he probably did. Yeah. But Wormtail was present and helped. Mm-hmm. The other thing I want to get your two cents on is yeah. this is, he's got the Veritas serum. Snape has returned. Snape and McGonagall have both returned. They're both in this room while this is happening. And. He starts talking about Potter's map of the school. You don't think Snape's like taking notes on this and being like, that's how Potter does it. Yeah. Ooh. Right? Catch Dan. Is is that not a loophole here? No, it's a loophole. Because I mean, I get I get it. That there's a lot of other stuff here that's right. much more pressing yeah. and important. Still though. With right. his contempt for Harry, you don't think he would have registered that, wait, Potter has a map of the school? <laughs> right. Duh, wait that's what that a was second. last year. And they, a piece of paper that insulted me. And he mentions that interaction where they had the pajama party with Filch, <laughs> Snape, and Moody Crouch, where that's where he got the map from. Right. And Snape has been suspicious of this piece of paper <laughs> for, like, years now, for two years. Yeah. Uh, like, I just, like, this seems odd. Anyway, you'd think Snape would, would take note right. of that map. Uh, what did you think of his story of escaping from Azkaban? Um, I thought it was a pretty well-thought-out plan. That the Dementors, that they're blind. There was one healthy and one dying that entered and left. Mm-hmm. I'm a little shocked that Crouch Sr. would be so willing to just dump his wife there, but... Especially if he was, like, that in love with her, but I guess. If it's his last favor for his wife. Yeah. This was his wife's assuming, 
I mean, it is his wife's dying wish right. to have her son free. Right. I, I have sad. a question. It is very sad <laughs> and it's very dark. Yeah. And it's a terrible, uh, I'm not sympathizing or empathizing with Barty Crouch Jr., but it, that's, uh, he has a couple of years here where it is a rough life. He's subjected to life in Azkaban and then he's subjected to life under an invisibility cloak. And the Imperious Curse. Yeah. Uh, being looked over by a house elf. It's, that's tough. Uh, yeah. Here's my question, though, about this whole process. And I am nitpicking, and I understand that, and I've nitpicked a lot here the last couple of chapters. <laughs> but it only works if his mother is taking the Polyjuice Potion regularly. A, that has to be, I'm assuming she's living for at least a couple of days. Yeah. That's got to be a decent amount of polyjuice potion, number one. Number two, she, how is she controlling when she dies so she can take, like, a last sip of the polyjuice potion so they bury her as Barty Crouch Jr. and she doesn't transform back? Well, do the Dementors bury her, or is it, like, the Ministry? I assume either way. Uh, it would probably be Ministry officials do the burying. You think so? Yeah. Do you think the Dementors are out there, like, with a shovel? Because that would be a great sight that I want. I would love to see that. I mean, I wouldn't, but... <laughs> they're just talking to each other as they're, like, digging this, yeah. like, grave. Yeah. Jim, can you believe this? This is the third one this week. <laughs> You're like, whatever. <laughs> like, Man, we gotta do this again. Yeah, how do we get stuck with this job? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> See now, go. see, this is the tangents that you come to a Molly and Dan episode for, <laughs> right here. These dark, <laughs> weird tangents. Oh. Dementors doing rock paper scissors. That's yep, exactly. No, I, I don't know. I didn't like. I, did she take a big enough dose when she was getting weaker that it would last for several hours? Or I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Well, then the question I feel like becomes. If you die while you take the polyjuice, while you're on polyjuice potion, mm -hmm. you know, like, do you die in that form or does your body go back? Oh, do, oh okay. Do you, you know what I mean? Do you, when you die, you just stay that. Yeah, that form. Like it gets stuck? Yeah. In a way? That's yeah. interesting. That would be the answer to it. I mean, that'd be an easy answer to it. Well, the only thing I can come up with. You know what? To to combat my own nitpicking, I will now rewrite my own headcanon <laughs> as to that's how it works. Yes. <laughs> I have no idea, but that's our guess. That's what we're going to go with. <laughs> uh, what else? Do we have anything else from the Virata Serum? I think it's interesting that Barty Crouch Jr. is so obsessed with getting information from Harry. Mm-hmm that he ends up getting caught. Oh, yeah. What would happen if he just left? What if Ooh. he just, like, Dark Lord's back? Great. Peace. And then right. just, like, right. left right. and went to rejoin him. Right. Could you imagine, like, a invigorated Barty Crouch Jr. rejoining? Like, if Wormtail rejoining, like, Trelawney's Prophecy, if Wormtail came back to his master and had this much of an effect... Imagine like Barty Crouch Jr. returning. Yeah. Or he has some real harsh commentary about his fellow Death Eaters. 
He is not happy about most of them. No. It would be really interesting to see him back in the fold. Do you think he would take retribution on a couple of them? Do you think he would ask Voldy for permission? Do you think he would ask Voldy to punish them more? How do you think that conversation would go? I mean, I definitely don't think he's doing anything on his own without asking Voldy. He straight up just lives and breathes for whatever Voldy has to say. You don't think he's going after Avery and being like, Imperius cursed, huh? Okay. No, I, I really think that he's like just so obsessed with him that he'll do whatever. Mm-hmm. He's going to, I mean, I'm sure. But then again, too, like he thinks he's going to kill Harry and that the Dark Lord, that Voldy's going to be happy about it. That's true, too. So he's, I, it could go either way, maybe. I, if, he, if he, let's say he kills Harry here. Uh, a, very short series. But B... Um, <laughs> the end. <laughs> and, hey, it's Crouch Jr. Also, you're dead. Uh, the end. Yeah, he if he does that, I think he's got a Cruciatus curse coming his way. Oh, yeah. But I don't think Voli would kill him for it. No. Because I think he's too useful of a, of a servant. Yeah, he's too smart. The most faithful servant. Yeah. I think we're good on the non-spoilers. Uh, let's take a break. Kill the spare and get back to the uh, the spoiler section, which I'm sure we have some stuff to talk about. So yeah. we will be right back. Yeah. Kill the spare! All right, so we are back with the spoiler section of chapter 35, Veritas Serum. We have some fun conversations coming up in the spoiler section, just some random fun stuff. But first, I'd like to ask Molly, do you have anything from previous chapters or from this chapter that you want to talk about? Yes. Mendungus. You want to talk about Mundungus? Mundungus. What? <laughs> what got you thinking about Mundungus? First of all, any opportunity I have to say Mundungus, I take it. I um, can't blame you at all. It's just <laughs> totally fair. Plus two. I mean, like, we're talking about Moody and Mundungus. All right. I That's that. true. Moody and Mundungus <laughs> do have a history in these books. All right, now that I'm done killing that. So when you and Elizabeth were talking about the court scene and they brought Bagman in, Mm -hmm. my thought for some reason in my head canon was just like, hmm, Bagman is just an upper class version of Mendungus. Huh. Yes. Yes, he is. Yeah. He's like a con man swindler kind of guy just doing it on on the upper levels of society instead of down in the gutters yep that's yeah that's a good comparison that's a good call yeah i like that so yeah you don't get much more of ludo bagman from here on out no you really don't it's kind of a a bummer maybe i don't know he's an entertaining guy i liked reading his chapters that he was in he's fun yeah but yeah oh so you had some slytherin stuff yeah. Before we got to the Slytherin stuff, um, I found this website, which we'll post, we'll tweet it out, but it's from Game Rant, and they listed, we've had a lot of Death Eater talk, obviously, with the chapter Death Eaters, and now with Barty Crouch Jr. in this chapter um, saying uh, some so not-so-kind things about some of his fellow Death Eaters, the website Game Rant game gave their Death Eater rankings. The strongest Death Eaters. The strongest Death Eaters. Uh, and they ranked them uh, one through nine, right? Yes. So 
count them off to me, nine through one. All right, number nine, Lucius Malfoy. All righty. Number eight, the Caros. Okay. And then we got number seven, Rowl. First name, Thorfinn. Thorfinn Rowl. <laughs> number six, Walden McNair. Interesting, interesting. Number five, Anton Dullahoff. Oh, my boy. The Dullahoff. My boy. All right, number four, Regulus Black. Ooh. And then number three, the man, the myth, the legend. Barty Crouch Jr. Barty Crouch Fan Club. Uh, we are a part of that. Woo-woo. We are a part of that. Number two, the unhinged Bellatrix Lestrange. I like this like warm up that you're giving them, like the unhinged, <laughs> the crazy, the insane. And then, numero uno, number one, Severus Snape, or known as. Snivellus. All right. So this is an interesting list. So I have a couple of issues with it. Okay. First of all, let me just get this out of the way real quick. I think that the top three, Snape, number one, Bellatrix, number two, Barty Crouch Jr., number three, I think that's a fair and accurate top three. Yeah. No complaints about those three. In that order. Thorfinn Rowell. I don't know that he's number seven. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that he's there. So we're talking through the series. I think, uh, I know Anna doesn't like uh, this name either very much, but I I would put Yaxley uh, ahead of Raoul. And again, it's been a minute since I've read the books. uh, And I know he has moments in the sixth and seventh books. So let's get there and fully immerse ourselves in the accomplishments of Thorfinn Raoul. But from my recollections, he usually screws up a lot. So I'm not really high on the Thorfinn Rowell uh, bandwagon there. Uh, Lucius at number nine is fine. The Karos um, do end up having a pretty big role, so I get their position at number eight. McNair, I definitely get that. He's like literal henchman assassin. Yeah. Here's where I disagree. I would put Dolohoff at four. And I would have Regulus at five. Interesting. I, I would switch the two. And I, I understand Regulus. He has... It's a big moment. Don't, don't mistake me for underplaying his role in the series because it's a massive role that he has. Yeah. My goodness. His, his story set the Harry Potter fan base aflame. R.A.B., who's R.A.B., oh my gosh, blah, 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 blah. Like, that was all you could find on chat rooms for forever until it was finally revealed that it's Regulus Arcturus Black. And obviously he discovered the secret of the Horcruxes and he tried to destroy one himself and he died trying to destroy one. He failed in destroying one, but he also got it out of the cave. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously his accomplishments are profound. Dolohoff just has, while each of them are less significant, he just has more of them. Specifically, uh, I think in that, they describe him getting a shot in on Moody in the Department of Mysteries, uh, taking Sirius and Harry to uh, repel him. In the Battle of Hogwarts, he 
ends up fighting multiple people at once. He's the one that ends up killing Remus Lupin, which is no small feat for a couple of different reasons. Uh, He also gets a lick in on Hagrid. I think he's one of the few... Is he one of the few people that actually gets a spell to hit Hagrid in I one way? I think so. And then um, the person that takes down Dolohoff is is Flitwick, is my is my boy Flitwick, who's Woo-hoo. the most accomplished duelist at Hogwarts. Thank you very much, Ravenclaws. Oh. We'll get more Dolohoff, despite Anna's repeated attempts to I'm not going to lie, I'm on Anna's team. I think that is a weird choice, Dan. You think that's a why do you, yes. okay, what are you coming at me with for the counter? Okay. So yeah, he's good at dueling. He's had some hits on people. But Regulus Black? So smart. He figured out that stuff. Did Dalha? No. He's just doing whatever Voldy tells him to do. Where we got Regulus Black, he's got some brains behind him. He's going to be able to figure things out. He's going to help Voldy strategize, you know, if we're taking it that direction. All right, all right. Molly, you're forcing my hand here. (laughs) Uh, You're forcing my hand. i got to pull out technicalities now. And the technicalities are, what does the top of that article say? Strongest. And I think Snape can obviously hold his own in a duel. I think Belichick is going to obviously hold her own in a duel. Barty Crouch Jr., I think, is... My goodness, he's able to do so much on such slim notice. And plus, he's outfoxed Moody directly. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's been able to keep Moody captive this entire time. Dolohoff, and if you really want to go further with it, I, you know, Dolohoff and McNair are like straight up assassins for, like, their job is to end you. <laughs> like, that's, and they're good at it. They're very good at it. Just, just, I'm just saying, just saying. We to I guess to be fair to you, we don't know much more about Regulus Black. We know that obviously he's got a famous last name from a prominent wizarding family. Obviously, we know a ton about his brother Sirius. But other than that, we don't really know a whole lot about Regulus. I, yeah, I, I think know. he was in the Slug Club. He was in the Slug yeah, Club, was... so he was a gifted wizard, and at least enough that Slughorn took. An interest in him. Well, he was like Slughorn's favorite student. I feel like that says something. Talented dude. Yeah. And obviously if Voldemort trusted Regulus enough to have his house elf hide the locket, or to help hide the locket. Yeah. That says a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not tossing Regulus off the list here. (laughs) I'm not like erasing his name. I'm just flipping, flipping one and two around. You have no uh, objections to Raoul being like pushed back on the list. I mean, I don't know enough about Raoul. And that's why I would say I'm just going to be... I'm just going to go with what I know. Fair enough. Fair I'm enough. Say. We will have more Death Eater talk as they become much more prominent fixtures Anna, in the story. Anna, help me out. Help me out, Anna. Oh, gosh. I'm sure she will love to yell at me for it. Um, anyway, I have been alerted that Molly, our Hufflepuff, has a Slytherin deep dive that she wants to give. 
I do. Um, so during my deep dives of the Priory, I can never say that. Say Priory that. Incantatum. Yes, thank you, Dan. You're welcome. Pronunciations are hard for me. Um, I found on the Wizarding World website a history of notable Slytherin wands, and uh, it's pretty cool. It talks about some of the last spells that some of the famous Slytherins have used. That's cool. So uh, it talks about Snape. It talks about Bellatrix. It talks about Draco. And it actually goes a little bit into Salazar Slytherin. Cool. So, what's, what's it say about the spells? So Severus, the last spells that he has been known to use that he would use was expelling armus about oh, cadavra yeah circumsempra and the patronus charm interesting that snape's one of snape's final spells is expelling armus yes i know that's that is interesting it's not meaningful at all in any way shape or form no and the fact that it's uh yeah mhm and he taught it to harry to begin with yeah interesting mhm we got Bellatrix. So obviously the curse that hit Sirius, the Cruciatus curse, and the Cruciatus curse. She's very talented with the, the Cruciatus, Cruciatus curse. curse. Yes. She enjoys it. She likes it. She uses it. Yep. She even gives Harry advice on how to use it. That's true. She does. That's actually a really cool scene. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to made it. Um, then we got Draco. And his is Expelleramus, Locomotor Mortis. I'm probably butchering these names of the spells, so I apologize. And then Serpent Sorcia. Yeah, that's right. Interesting. Yeah. And then with Salazar, they didn't really go into much detail. They just mainly talk about his wand that's pretty much what do they say about his wand not a whole lot of nice things not a whole lot of nice things <laughs> not a whole lot of nice things a lot of torturing a lot of killing yeah and his wand actually wasn't just used by him it has been passed down the Slytherin family line for many years um so the wand itself seemed to change over time depending upon its master which I think is pretty... Wait, the wand itself? Yeah. So, you know, going into the whole wand lore, whether or not, like, the the master of the wand has an effect on the wand, so... And whether or not the wand kind of, like... Oh, bends to the will of bends, that person? Yeah, bends to the will. So the wand itself seemed to change over time depending on its master. That um, almost made me think of, like, literally the look. Yeah of the wand or yeah. the like if they liked a more curved handle it would curve to it or a little like more yeah that would be kind of cool yeah so then would it have been passed down to the gaunts um it eventually came into the possession of isolate sayer i think i'm saying that right okay i don't know um who turned out to be one of the more virtuous members of the southern's bloodline so, all of a sudden, Salazar's wand went from torturing muggles to saving lives and doing good, as Isolate forged a new life for herself in, the, in America. After years of torturous activities, and the wand was buried and grew into a snakewood tree with powerful healing powers. 
So Salazar Slytherin's wand ends up being, for lack of a better term, demagicized. <laughs> like the magic was put to sleep. Basically, was the verbiage? Basically, buried, and ended up growing into a snakewood tree that heals. In America, yes. Interesting. You know, I am certain that, let's say, two hundred years from now. Somebody's going to be reading this book as though it's factual. Ooh, yeah. And we'll be watching a History Channel show mm-hmm. on people trying to find the Salazar Slytherin <laughs> snakewood tree. I would love that. Please <laughs> let that happen. Speaking of shows, really quick. I know we're uh, running long on the full episode here. But speaking of shows, I yeah. wanted to get your opinion on the HBO series. I'm excited. Yeah? I am excited. I was actually... Just talking to somebody about this on my way here. My my fiance actually, who really doesn't know a lot about Harry Potter, but we'll forgive him for that. But um, I'm. You've also played Hogwarts Legacy. I haven't played that yet. I, have. I know it's been out for a while, and I want to play it so I bad. Have. It's it's. When can I come live at your place for a while and yeah. play it? So I've only gotten a little bit into it because, again, my my wonderful fiance Bill bought it for his computer, so I only get to really play it when I'm at his. Um, house flaws so, yeah so yeah. when can i come live with your fiance yes. for a while to do it? <laughs> uh no the hbo series we're getting sidetracked yeah so anyways um as we do yeah as we do often <laughs> um yeah no i'm really excited i think it's gonna be I, i'm excited that it's gonna be a series that we don't have to deal with everything being jam-packed into like a two three hour movie mm-hmm. um Bill actually brought up a pretty interesting question, and he asked if I thought that any of the old characters would make any kind of, like, appearances. And I don't know. I I had one thought. I don't know if you've heard it, but I was with Anna, and my thought is, since this will take, like, a decade to produce and put out, a lot can happen in a decade. Mm -hmm. JK can stay involved with it, cannot stay involved with it. Opinions can shift, can change, hers, other people's, whatever. Things can change in 10 years, is what I'm saying. So the original trio, I'm just throwing this out there. What if the original trio came back in the epilogue scene as themselves in their 40-year-old states as the older trio? Yeah. And that was the return. They only get one scene, but it is a scene. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. I would be, be down pretty for cool. that. Yeah. The more I thought about it, I like the idea of the series. I do. And I get the complaints about, A, it's too soon. Because I agree, it is too soon. I, I think you could probably do this, you know, another five, ten years from now and still be fine. Yeah. It's a little soon after the movies. But as much as I loved the casting of the original movies, because some of the casting is flawless. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not one of the people that's automatically against new people taking on the roles and making it their own. Yeah. Uh, just because Helena Bonham Carter played Bellatrix amazingly well doesn't mean someone else can't. Right. Uh, or Alan Rickman with Snape, or whatever. Right. Other people can't act well. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah. You just have to divorce yourself from the, this is the only person to ever do this and will, you know. Yeah. But 
I think I'm putting my trust in HBO. Yeah. And if they allow HBO to do it the way they want to do it creatively, whew, it could be really good. Yeah. And I'm not saying, like, go full Game of Thrones with it, uh, where there needs to be, like, violence and gore. I'm not saying it's going to go there. I think HBO could do, like, they could do it. A darker version, yeah. especially like once you get halfway through Chamber of Secrets yeah. and you start getting into the darker sides of magic. I'm not saying like make it gory or whatever, but there's room there. Yeah. And I think HBO can do like a really good job. It also depends on who you're playing this to. I'm yeah. assuming because it's on HBO, you're, uh, you're targeting our level of audience, the ones that grew up with it. I agree. And you're not targeting children. No. On HBO. So if you're targeting a more mature audience, maybe you do make it a little bit more mature. Yeah. Maybe Peeves does say some rude stuff. <laughs> maybe he does, because you know he does. Oh, yeah. So, you know, maybe. Yeah. I think that's within yeah. the realm of possibility. So I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah. Uh, I, I understand the backlash, and that's all warranted. Um, and I would prefer that JK does not get an executive producer credit. Yeah. And I would prefer that she's not involved with it, which is why I put forth our application as Hogwarts a podcast to keep the sanctity and the spirit of Harry Potter alive in this new series. And I think that they should put a lot of our good ideas in there, Dan, about Lucius Malfoy making paper mache. Just the scene of him collaging oh, is. God. Oh, God. I just want to see some of these things so badly. Just some paper clips that yeah. he sends Draco of like Harry Potter. Exactly. <laughs> Draco, did you see this? Yes. Yes. I can't wait. It's going to be good. Uh, yeah. No, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be cool to see it in a different way with different characters. Not saying that the old ones weren't great, you know, the actors and mm-hmm. everything. Um, it's like when they have how they've done Batman over and over again. Yeah. You know, it'll just be a new take on it. And um, I'm excited to see where it goes. And thankfully, we know how it ends. We know how it ends. The books are written. <laughs> the books are written. There is a full story. <laughs> there is not just fan service hopefully being done, you know, like in uh, the Fantastic Beast movies. Yeah. And just pure chaos, you know. The story has already been written, so we're all okay. I don't know uh, what you're alluding to on stories not being written, yet them still finishing the series, Game of Thrones. I, I, I don't understand. And with a shot at Game of Thrones, we will end the podcast for the day. Thank you all for listening. Let us know what you think on all of these things that we've thrown at you today. Let us know your Death Eater strength rankings. Yeah. Let us know if you would put Dalahoff in the top four. Like I do. No. Uh, he's certainly deserving of top five, regardless <laughs> of what anyone says. I don't care. Anyway, uh, for Molly, I'm Dan. Thank you so much for listening. Let us know. Interact with us on Spotify, on Twitter, on Instagram, at Hogwarts a Pod. We really appreciate all of the listens, all of the comments, reviews, likes, shares. It all helps the podcast grow. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts a Pod.